Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Get ready to get blitzed on the Blitz Podcast at TheHuddle.com with your host Steve Gallo and Harley Schultz. Hey, welcome back to another episode of the Blitz Podcast. Of course, I'm your host, Steve Gallo. And as always, joined by my trusty sidekick, partner in crime, Mr. Harley Schultz. Harley, how's it going, my man? Well, it was a uh, it was a good week and it was a bad week for me. I uh, made a little money on uh, Daily Fantasy, as seems to be the case every week. But I also took a huge uh, burn on one of my tournament games where I should have won a lot more than I did. A revisionist history, man. <laughs> it's it's the best way to look at it sometimes. Uh all I've gotta say is uh dang you Deontay Thompson, dang you all to hell. There you go. Does it make you feel Will hell get buzzed out here on our website? I hope not. No, I don't think so. I won't okay. t- I won't tell anybody. I'm the one that would do it, so um Who is Deontay Thompson, by the way? Who 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 is this? <laughs> The schmuck. <laughs> he is the man that needed like thirteen injuries to Bears wide receivers before the season started to make the active roster, I think. Before the season started, an additional three or four injuries to their receiver core so far already this season. Yes. I mean, it's just, yeah, you got you got it bad. Sorry about that. But, hey, <laughs> you've got another 15 weeks to make it right. You know it. So we got some good DFS stuff coming up. We're going to talk later about when do you jump off the train. Well, hopefully not when it's in motion. I don't know. I think that there's some people that might want to do that. Well, but we'll get to that. But I'll tell you what, before then, we've got to do this now. I gotta throw it over to my man Harley Schultz for this week's Blitzed Podcast News. Thank you, Steve. Greg Olson sustained a broken foot this past weekend. This left a huge hole in the Panthers offense as last year Olsen became the first tight end to post three straight 1,000-yard receiving seasons. Furthermore, Olsen had never missed a game in his career completely due to injury. Blocking tight end Ed Dixon played significant snaps following the injury, along with third stringer Chris Manhurts. This begs the obvious and pressing question, when he went down, how many times did Olsen scream out, man, this hurts? And how many times did Manhurts turn and look around to see who was yelling at him? <laughs> Following their game Sunday, early reports suggest that Rob Kelly has a fractured rib. His injury forced him to leave week two against Los Angeles early and allowed Samajay Perrine the opportunity to lead the team in touches. Unfortunately, Samaje Pecorine's production 
was overshadowed by that of third down back Chris Thompson, who scored a pair of touchdowns. When asked why Thompson was used so frequently instead of Prine, Jay Gruden responded that he wanted to take it easy on the public address announcer, who still does not know how to properly pronounce Samajay's name. <laughs> Ezekiel Elliott was held to his fewest carrier yards in Dallas's defeat at the hands of the Denver Broncos Sunday afternoon. Facing nine-man front m most of the game, Zeke found nowhere to run throughout the contest. When asked about his performance after the game, Zeke replied, I haven't faced this stacked of an opposition since my appeal case two weeks ago. <laughs> Once again, the Cincinnati Bengals were held out of the end zone on Thursday night. Despite several calls from the local media, fans, as well as his own locker room to replace Andy Dalton with A.J. McCarron, Marvin Lewis stood firmly behind his embattled quarterback and instead fired offensive coordinator Ken Zampezi. To replace Zampezi, the Bengals promoted quarterbacks coach Bill Lazor. Now, I must admit, this is slightly confusing to me. Your fans and teammates were upset with your current quarterback's play, so your solution is to promote the person who has been coaching him? And finally, apparently Marty McFly made an appearance at the L.A. Coliseum this past Sunday because Jordan Reed is once again injured. So, all is once again right with the space-time continuum. This has been your BPN News Update. So, I was wondering what the heck was going on. I, you know what, I'll make you feel better. I was wondering what the hell was going on with Samaj IP Ryan Pecorino Jr., whatever you want Pecorino to call Pecorino Romano? Yes. I had to, I should have known you were up to something there. So, you know, you talked about the Bengals, and I honestly didn't look at it in that light. Um, fire the offense coordinator to promote the guy that's coaching the quarterback that's having the trials and tribulations. <laughs> that just doesn't make any sense. Well, why don't we do this then? Since we're on this subject, and I said, when do you get on or when do you get off on a player or a situation? Let's talk about the Bengals. It's the Bengals or the Bungles? I think we're back to the Bungles the way they've played the first couple weeks. Uh, you know, it's been bad. There's no doubt about that. So people that drafted A.J. Green early, first-round pick, um, honestly, I didn't go after A.J. Green in any of my leagues. had nothing to do with the offense, so I got lucky. It was because I just wasn't sure how he was going to respond coming back from that ACL injury, which happened later in the season last year. Um, I think he's actually looked good. I thought he looked like he put a little weight on, looked about – like he was just a little more stout when I saw him this last game. So what do you think? When do you get off the A.J. Green train? Well, you know what? I, I have a hard time doing that because, again, with a guy like A.J. Green, you did take him either in in the mid to late first round or at the worst, the early second round. And it, it's really hard from a fantasy perspective to disregard the – draft position or the dollar amount you assigned to a player that you picked up in your auction or in your draft and, and say to yourself, okay, this player is just underperforming. But now in, in the case of green, I, I need to ask myself, is he really underperforming or is the offense around him just not presenting him the opportunity to get into the end zone just yet? Cause I mean, looking at his numbers, it, it may seem like he's underperforming, but I think that uh, you were telling me earlier 
it might be a little bit misleading about those numbers, right? Yeah, I was one of those people, too, that thought, wow, AJ's got to really be disappointing his owners right now. And then I saw a tweet on Sunday from Mike Sando, who works for ESPN. So from 2011 through 2016, to start the year, the first two games of the year, AJ has played in both games every year. Over that six-year time frame, 2011, yeah, six years, from 11 to 16, he averaged 18 targets over his first two games. Well, this year, through two games, 16 targets. Through those first six years, he averaged 11 receptions through the first two weeks. This year, he's got 10. Through those first six years, 158.8 receiving yards. He's at 141. So you're talking he's 17, 18 yards off that total. Yards per reception, 14.4 the first six years, 14.1 this year. Air yards per target, 13.0 the first six. This year, 13.5. And here's the kicker. 1.3 touchdowns, this year zero. So, I mean, I think you can go back and look at every year previous that A.G. Green's played in, with the exception of last year when he got hurt and had to leave. Um, Nobody was disappointed with where he got to by the end of the year. At this point, I'm telling you, I'm not going to get off the A.J. Green train at this point. Well, and I'm not going to jump ahead too far, but uh, considering his uh, his price tag and uh, the team he's facing this coming week, he might actually be uh, up for discussion in our uh, DFS segment. I have a feeling that something is going to be up for discussion, absolutely. So how about let's move from that one. So what do you think, staying on or off? I, I think I'm holding on for now. That offense can't be as bad as it's looked like. I mean, there was a lot of reason for hope coming into the season for both Dalton along with Green. Um, it, it, it looks to me that I mean, they also I mean they got Joe Mixon in there. Yeah. Uh, he really hasn't gotten a chance to break through yet. They're still using a three-headed backfield. Let, let's give uh, Lazor a day in, in court and see how he does this coming week. Let's see if he gets Mixon more involved. Let's see if he uh, opens up the playbook a little bit more. Maybe he gets John Ross involved a little bit more something's bound to change and we've got a recipe for good success coming in here against a very bad secondary in green bay this coming week so well here's what i'll say they need to get that offensive line right i'll give aj another two weeks three weeks something like this continues then i might be looking to jump ship but i doubt it i'm not going to sell low um how about brandon marshall well, uh, for people uh, that don't know, we typically record the show on Monday evenings, and as we're watching right now, uh, the Giants are playing Detroit on TV in the background. And we're five seconds so, we're five seconds into the second quarter right now. And uh, New York just scored a touchdown, and it was a touchdown in the red zone. But surprisingly, it wasn't to Brandon Marshall. It went to Evan Engram, the uh, big rookie tight end. Yep. Now, uh, when we when they brought Brandon Marshall into that offense, even alongside a healthy Odell Beckham, we really figured this offseason that Brandon Marshall would be uh, open for a lot of like really good production, particularly in the red zone where he's always been very, very effective. But I don't know if it's just not familiarity between him and Eli just yet or what, but they this really haven't been on the same path and same wavelength, especially not in the red zone where we kind of expect that uh, – Marshall would excel well and it took till late in the fourth quarter before he got his first catch last week and as we stand like I said five seconds in the quarter two he does not have a single target yet tonight so I'll be honest with you um, I love Marshall I think he's 
just been a great story for the league from where he was when he first came in to where he is with regards to mental health and all that kind of stuff. Um, but I think that we might be, it might be time to get off that Marshall train. Well, in the first game, I mean, obviously Sterling Shepard outplayed him. Uh, in this game, like I said, Engram scored. So, you know, you can't really cut Brandon Marshall yet because uh, his value is still perceived to be high. But a name recognition alone, you may be able to sell just by name yep. you to might somebody looking for maybe someone that lost Ellen Robinson to injury for the season, and somebody or that someone that maybe drafted back. Quincy Anunua. Yeah, I don't, I don't mind that at all. Um, how about Lashawn McCoy? That one scares me because I have a lot of shares in McCoy, and I was really looking forward to this season. They got rid of Mike Galisley. Uh, they got rid of all their offensive weapons outside of McCoy, so I figured, you know what, this is going to be 100% McCoy's offense. He was going to catch the passes. He was going to run the ball. What I didn't really think about is the fact that with no one else on offense around him, it's actually hurting him to some degree. Yeah. You know what they say, what, good, what goes good for the offense goes good for your fantasy players. So the opposite's true. What goes bad for the offense goes bad for your fantasy players too because – uh, when he's been out there, he's been facing stacked fronts uh, every single game so far, and people are basically begging Tyrod Taylor to beat him with the uh, misanthropic collection of receivers he has to throw to. And, I mean, Zay Jones dropped a wide-open pass in the end zone last week. I don't want to even get started on that because I spent a lot of rookie league drafts on him. But uh, until the offense as a whole starts clicking there, I'm a little scared about McCoy's prospects, especially since we, we thought Gallisley was gone so he wouldn't get vultured anymore. But now Mike Tolbert is vulturing. From, I mean, this is ridiculous. Well, I, I think that that's always going to be a part of it, of it. It's not that he's not a goal line back, but and they're going to feed him. They are definitely going to feed him. Here's the problem with McCoy. And I'm going to tell you, you can't get off the McCoy train. If you're on, McCoy, on the McCoy train, you stay on the train. And here's why. You can't sell him right now. You're selling him as absolute lowest. Nobody's going to want him, or nobody's going to give you anything good for him, right? So yes. then he's going to bounce back. It's not going to be this week, I don't think, against the Denver Broncos, but he's going to bounce back at some point. That offense has to get better. He's still got 18 touches this past week in a game that was an ultimate defensive battle. Six catches led the team in targets. Granted, just a measly 34 yards in the air and only nine yards rushing. But then when he bounces back and he has that good game, you're not going to want to sell him because you're going to go, he's back. <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, so you I got- think we can also still hope a little bit that perhaps Buffalo decides to continue their rebuild and, and maybe end up trading him to a yeah. team like Philadelphia. That'd be awesome. Go back to Philly. Arizona. <laughs> oh, he'd be scary in Arizona. With that, with, again, he'd, he'd be able to basically absorb – the David Johnson role because he really does have that both the pass catching as well as backfield rushing uh, capabilities. And he, he wouldn't even be the oldest guy starting for them. So this one, the next one that we're going to go to, (laughs) that's nice. You won't be the oldest guy, Carson Palmer, grandpa there. Um, This one is going to be a punt, but I've got to, I've got to throw it out there. Greg Olson. Right now, it sounds like he's going to be back in five to six weeks. Uh, that was kind of surprising for me. When I heard broken foot, I thought, easy IR for the season. <laughs> yeah, no, I've heard six to eight. And honestly, I would look at that as your floor. You still got to get yourself worked back in the game shape, et cetera, right? So here's what I think. I think that this injury gives everybody that's a Olsen owner 
the ability to get off a train that they needed to get off anyway. Because you can tell that Carolina wants to involve McCaffrey. Mm-hmm. Cam's not right. He's still rusty. If you, because of where you drafted Olsen, you're going to feel obliged to keep him in your starting lineup if he didn't get hurt. And I think that that was going to cause problems for guys that had him in fantasy. So in a sense, this happens to be an injury that's a blessing in disguise for fantasy owners, not for Olsen, of course, or the, or the Panthers, but for fantasy owners. Well, for people in dynasty leagues, too, obviously uh, Olsen is getting up there in years, so you have to question what his value is going forward, especially with uh, the acquisition of McCaffrey this year, as well as the acquisition of Curtis Samuel, who really uh, kind of plays like a good slot receiver, too. He's probably going to be a lot more active over the middle infield, over the middle infield, over the middle of the field as the season goes on. Now, uh, really possibly projecting into the future, another player in dynasty formats may need to start thinking about in the same sense is Delaney Walker in Tennessee. Now, yes, Walker had a good first week, and then, yes, last week he had the uh, absurd rushing touchdown that uh, I don't know how he managed to get into the end zone, but He's also kind of the same, but he's getting a little bit older. Uh, Tennessee drafted Janu Smith this year. They've already started involving him in the offense. So obviously don't sell now on him. But as we approach the end of the season, if your team is out of it in the dynasty format or keeper format, you might want to start shopping around Delaney Walker before he has a fall off this year like Olsen predominantly will uh, with the injury. Hey, and I'm going to go back to Olsen. I'm going to tell you, here, I told people get off the Olsen train. But that doesn't mean cut him right now. If you have a deep enough bench, stash him. If you have an IR, stash him. When it's getting close and they start talking about it looks like Olsen's going to be back in two weeks or something like that, I want you off of the train, but I don't want you to show your cards that you're off the train, right? At that point, you go find a tight and needy team and you flip him before he's even back. Because somebody will give you an asset based on their expected return of what they expect Olsen to give. And I don't think you're going to get it from him. So I think it will be wise to, if you can roster him between now and over the next four to five weeks, then try to move him. I think you can actually turn that into a plus for yourself. That is a good way to look at it there, Steve. All right. So that's all I have for our on or off the train. Um, you ready to move into some DFS? Exactly. All right, let's get it. Let's go after the quarterbacks. Okay, well, this week uh, we're, we're talking about Greg Olson and we're talking about Cam Newton not being so uh, totally on rhythm and uh, it looked like he took a little beating last week, possibly a little bit hurt. But you know what? I'm going to pay up for Cam Newton this week. His price tag is 6600 and 8100 on FanDuel. But the most important thing is he's facing New Orleans. And New Orleans has been just horse crap so far this year in terms of covering uh, players uh, passing games against them have been awesome plus in Cam Newton's defense in his last four meetings with New Orleans he has averaged 290 yards passing two and a half touchdowns plus he has two rushing touchdowns over those four games that's brave that is a brave pay up for him but I don't he's he's in that second tier he's not in that real rich tier for me where he's above seven grand but the nice thing is he won't be chalk that is true. That is very true. I'll tell you who I'm going to play, pay up to play, and I don't think he's going to be chalk either because I think people are scared right now. But I'm paying up for Aaron Rodgers. And I think they're scared because you don't know what's going on with Jordy Nelson, which makes it a risky play. Also, I believe Cobb got injured 
last night also. Mm-hmm. Um, can you trust Geronimo Allison and Marty Bennett, who was targeted, I think, 632 times and caught, like, how many passes? He caught two. Yeah. Um, but, no, <laughs> I like Rodgers at home against a faulty Cincinnati defense. And I don't think anybody's going to be on him because of those possible injuries. And I still think he'll find a way to put 300 and a, and a couple up. Well, it's interesting you bring up Rodgers because he's actually the player that I'm avoiding, uh, mainly uh, due to the question marks surrounding both Randall Cobb and Jordy Nelson, but perhaps more importantly, uh, the question marks surrounding his uh, top two tackles, uh, Brian Belaga and uh, David Bakhtiari, who are both who were both out for this last game and who, right as of right now, there's no promise that either of them will be back for the following game. Uh, Bengals, uh, you know what? They haven't given up a lot of passing yards in their two games so far. They haven't needed their secondary, to. Their secondary isn't that bad. I mean, yes, they're getting old, but uh, the, the, the players he's, they're trotting out there, that, that's not where their big problem is. Their problem is an inability to move the ball on offense, which is keeping their defense on the field for far too long. Yep. And they do have a solid front seven, or front four, I should say. Which whenever, even without Vontae's perfect. Yeah, whenever you have Geno Atkins anchoring your defensive line, you still have something to worry about. But yeah, I can see the play on both sides for Rodgers. I, like I said, I'm, I'm willing to gamble and say I, I see a good game because it is at home against those Bengals. Um, I'm staying away from Drew Brees. I agree with you there. On the road, in Carolina, don't like the price. I see better options. There aren't many times I'll stay away from Breeze, but it will be on the road when I do. That is, that's pretty much the best reason right there because he is on the road. Much like Ben Roethlisberger, much like most quarterbacks, yeah. they all tend to perform a little bit better at home. And uh, Breeze obviously has been plutonium good at home <laughs> and just ite on the road. Uh, honestly, I'm hoping that Drew Breeze throws for, I believe it's, 5,083 yards this year. Why um, is that? Because if he does, then I'll be able to say for the past 11 years, he's averaged 5,000 passing yards per year. That's that, that would be an impressive stat. Yeah, because right now he's about 82 yards short of being able to say that over the last 10 years. Um, That's particularly impressive for a guy who, uh, coming out of college, scouts were concerned about uh, his ability to play at the NFL level. <laughs> Yep, he should be a first ballot Hall of Famer, but that's a discussion for another day. Uh, who's your value play at quarterback? No, I'm gonna let you go first. I'm going to go all oh, the way to the Hold on. bottom. Hold on, I'm hoping you don't steal my thunder. Go ahead. Went all the way to the bottom of the list. The last starter on my list that I posted for you over on uh, oh, the DraftKings value sheet. That's Josh McCown okay. versus Miami. That's not who I'm going with. I'm spending now, my money. I so. Coming into the season, I think both of us and a lot of fantasy pundits were high on Brian Hoyer uh, being the uh, the junk play all season, who was going to have a cheap price tag and who was going to outproduce that price tag pretty much week in and week out. Yep. Uh, obviously, he hasn't yet. They're going to be playing in London this week, where no one does anything. And besides that, it's a Thursday night. Uh, uh, sorry, a Sunday morning game. So aside from those Thursday Sunday uh, combo uh, leagues that you might play on DraftKings you're really not going to be rostering uh, Brian Hoyer this week as a cheap play. Josh McCown has ended up being that guy, though. Josh McCown is capable of throwing for 300 yards each week because the team is going to be behind every single game. Uh, and uh, Miami's defense just gave up uh, 331 yards and one touchdown to Phillip Rivers last week. So if there was ever a time to take advantage of that, I guess it would be this week. And he's at home. 
Andy's at home. So anybody that knows me should know that I'm, you know, zero quarterback. Do you want to know just how zero quarterback I am? My two main leagues, they're full IDP, 16 teams. My starting quarterbacks, or I should say my two quarterbacks in one league is Sam Bradford and Joe Flacco. Made the playoffs last year and almost won the Super Bowl. And in another league, Josh McCown. And this guy who happens to be my value play this week, Andy Dalton. <laughs> Andy I like how you just kind of secretly whispered it in there because uh, yes. yeah, the, the red rifle has not Andy. performed up to snuff yet this year. But uh, again, hopefully a new coach will ignite a fire there. Here's the thing. I don't think that they're going to beat Green Bay. I think there will be garbage time. I don't think that Andy is as bad as it seemed. Nobody's ever as good or as bad as their best or their worst. And at that price tag, it's hard not to get value back on him. I know people are going to be gun-shy. He'll probably be in less than 2% of lineups, if I had to guess. Maybe less than 0.2%. I don't know. But, yeah, I'm going to roll the dice and go really out on that limb and say, Andy Dalton. There, I said it. I didn't, I didn't even have to whisper it. Like the, like the fawn saying sorry. It, it, it's, uh, it's, uh, Andy Dalton. Not, nothing wrong with that. Let's hope that he uh... – uh, gives a little bit more positive image to us redheads this week, though. Again, like I said, he's kind of he's kind of been a damper down uh, for us the last couple of weeks. So, yep. Okay, let's move the running back. Who are you paying up for? Paying up for Jay Ajahi versus the New York Jets. Uh, Jets have allowed a total of 370 rushing yards and four rushing TDs through their first two games. We all know that Ajahi can top 200 yards any given week, as he did a couple times last year. I. Uh, I think there's a very good chance he at least tops 150 rushing yards. That's not even including how many yards he's going to catch through passes from Cutler, too. I agree, and that was almost my pay-up, but I just couldn't go there. I don't know why. I wanted to spend more money, and it's not Kareem Hunt. I'm going three times a charm. It better be. I'm paying up for <laughs> Le'Veon Bell going against Chicago. Now, there's a couple things I don't like about it. I don't like the field in Chicago. Mm-hmm. Um but that's about all I don't like about it. Um, they've got issues at linebacker. You know what yeah, I, mean? I was going to say? They, they lost Freeman week one, and they lost his replacement last week. Yeah, so I, I just – he's going to break out in a big way. I'm going to say that I'm going to bet that it's going to be this week because I don't think a lot of people will be on him because they're going to be a little gun-shy. Gun-shy, and there's still the price tag on him. So, yeah, yeah. I totally agree with that. So he's staying away from we talked a little bit about him earlier, and that's LaShawn McCoy. Going up against Denver. Denver just shut down Zeke, and Zeke has better weapons around him. He has better quarterback. He's got better receivers around him. Uh, Denver was able to put eight and a half or nine men in the box most of the day, keep two cornerbacks, uh, Harris and Tlaib, on the, the top two receivers for uh, Dallas. Occasionally, they brought in Roby to cover when there was when Witten was playing out of the slot or when they had uh, Cole Beasley out there in the slot. Uh, but still, they had eight men in the box against Zeke, and Zeke was shut down. If they employ a similar thing against Buffalo, Buffalo has zero chance. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I, I, he's the same for me to stay away. I do expect – I wouldn't be so shocked if we saw him 10, 12 points in a PPR, but that's not going to pay back from where his salary is. Um, it is in Buffalo, so that's slightly different than playing at the altitude in Denver. Um, but, yeah, I'm not expecting much from him. Uh, as as for a value play this week, uh, a guy we're watching right now play, and that's Theo Riddick. He's getting to face Atlanta. 
Atlanta has allowed 309 yards and four touchdowns to opposing running backs this year. And in addition to that, they've allowed 19 receptions to the running back position. That's Riddick's role in this offense. Uh, he should be good for at least six catches. And I'm, I'd count him up for at least 100 combo yards, probably a score too. I like that value play better than my value play, but you know me, I like to go cheap. Um, I get stuck in this blue light special mode that I, I do my blue <laughs> light specials for the radio show that I do on Fridays. Um, I'm going. Are you sponsored by Kmart? I should be. Um, yes. I'm going with Mr. Duke Johnson Jr. And to quote a new analyst on TV, Cuz Colts. Instead of Cuz Analytics, I'm just going to go Cuz Colts. No, nothing wrong with that. I, I think that Duke Johnson is a very good play here. So that's who my value play is this week. At wide receiver, I'm going to let you take it off the top. Go ahead. Who are you paying up for? I am going to pay up for Mr. Kelvin Benjamin. Despite okay. some question marks about uh, his health coming out of last week, uh, again, assuming he gets a clean bill of health, I'm going to pay up for him. Uh, Saints secondary is rotten. Benjamin's actually getting targeted in the end zone. He just keeps dropping the ball. In fact, in both games, he's he's had a pass basically go in and out of his hands in the end zone. So uh, Cam Newton is throwing the ball his way. He's looking his way in the red zone without Olsen in there. Basically, it's going to be McCaffrey and Benjamin, the two big high, like, height options to throw the ball to in short yardage. So I think that he makes a very good play this week. Let's just hope he adds a little extra stick him. Okay. I'm paying up for I'm going to say it loud. I'm going to say it proud. A J Green. <laughs> AJ Green. I am. Um, it's a dangerous stack, Dalton Green, but yeah, I'm paying up for AJ Green this week. I mean the you Packers know, I, I almost I almost went with AJ Green as my pay up, but uh you know, I <laughs> it, it, it would have been comical if I did because that was actually before we got into talking about the uh the stats he's actually put yeah. up versus the perceived stats. Yeah, and look, the the rookie, I believe he's a rookie King, has done he did well the other night. Um, but the Packers secondary doesn't scare me on the outside. I and mean, they got two great, you know, safeties, but those quarterbacks, they don't scare me. And I think that we see AJ Green have a solid night. I mean Well, didn't the Packers just lose their best uh pass rusher to last night? Um, you know what? I I'm not sure. I may have missed that. I'm not I'm sorry, not their like their best uh down defensive pass rusher, not uh, like Clay Matthews or Oh no, yeah, yeah. You're talking about in um Mike Daniels. Thank you, yes. I yes. couldn't remember the name. See, and when I think of Mike Daniels, I don't think pass rusher, but yes, and he is a key cog on that defense. And for people that don't realize, if you don't have a pass rush, it's hard to cover. If you can't cover, it's hard to pass rush. They go hand in hand. So it's definitely something that will impact that game. Um, well, who are you staying away from? I'm staying away from, and this is going to sound so, like, I don't know, hypocritical. I'm staying away from Jordy Nelson, <laughs> although I'm saying play Aaron Rodgers as my you know pay up. Uh, just – there's not enough news right now on what is going on with him. So, Well, that had to burn a lot of DFS lineups last week because Jordy Nelson was actually primed for a huge game against a very mediocre Atlanta secondary. And all of a sudden, people looked at their, uh, looked at their box scores at halftime and saw zero catches, zero targets. Like, what happened? Uh, and people were looking for him, and it was like the back of a milk carton. He was not anywhere to be found. Well, it yep. turned out that... Uh, he left the game very, very early with uh, 
with an injury that's not fully been disclosed yet, and we don't really know how serious it is. So, <laughs> And it was very innocuous. I, I saw when they showed when he walked off, grabbed, I think it was the back of his hamstring or something like that, and kind of hobbled a little bit, didn't look too bad. Um, but, yeah, it just it was non-contact, I think. It was just all of a sudden you looked at him, and his, you could tell something wasn't right, and then he was gone, wasn't back. I was going to say, he kind of looked like me when I was, like, rushing home uh, to go to the bathroom after a... Uh, <laughs> After a night out uh, of drinking and uh, debauchery, but uh, it, yeah. it, it, it didn't look like he was really in pain. It looked more like just he was discomforted. Yeah. And for some reason, he never came back into the game. Yeah, I mean, I fully expected to see him back a series later or something like that. So when he never made it back, it was a little bit shocking. So who are you staying away from? Well, I'm going to stay away from Mike Evans going up against Minnesota. Xavier Rhodes just shut down Antonio Brown. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> I, there's been question marks about uh, just how good Xavier Rhodes really is. I, I think it's time we start discussing Xavier Rhodes in the same conversation that we discuss, guys, like Aqib Tlaib and Josh Norman. He is a legitimate shutdown corner. Now, unfortunately, the rest of Minnesota's secondary isn't that great. Uh, Trey Raines got absolutely burned on a couple of plays last week. Uh, they, they brought in Tremaine Brock. I think he's going to play this week for the first time. Uh, Terrence Newman is a, is a grizzled veteran, but that's really all you can really say about him. So Deshaun Jackson makes a great play this week. Mike Evans, not so much. Yeah, I agree. I, I actually like the the Deshaun Jackson call. He's boomer bust, but it's definitely somebody that's worth putting in a in a tournament play. Um, my value play this week is Jermaine Curse. Kind of goes along with you talking about Josh McCown earlier. I wanted to go with Jermaine Curse, but uh, I, you know, I, I decided to go along with your play of uh, Aaron Rodgers and choose Geronimo Ellison. There you go. With the assumption that uh, both uh, Jordy and Cobb might be missing this week, that means Ellison's going to be the number two receiver behind Devonte Adams. So, again, we talked a little bit about Cincinnati's secondary being not horrible, which that means that Adams will will be covered by whoever their best cornerback is. That's going to leave Geronimo Ellison as the next best option for. Rodgers to throw to and again Rodgers even when he has a bad game he still has a pretty good game yep. because he, he will throw the ball and he'll throw the ball and then he'll throw the ball some more and then he'll run around and then he'll run around and then he'll throw, some, throw the ball some more well and Ellison's going to be the guy Ellison or Janice maybe Jeff Janice will be the one to get the uh, end around reverse type play too there you go okay um, yeah I didn't get to say much about why I picked Curse but Somebody's got to catch the ball, and they're at home. So if there's a week I'm going to play a Jets offensive player, it's going to be at home when a team's got to come all the way across the country to play. Wait a minute. No, who are they playing this week? Why did I say that? You see, you Miami. Look, you look, yeah, <laughs> they got to come all the way up north. I look at the schedule, and all of a sudden I see Oakland and think Oakland's playing the Jets when I know they're not. That's crazy. Just <laughs> strike that. Anyway, they're at home. That's why I like him, on top of the fact that somebody's got to catch a damn ball. Okay, let's roll over to the tight end position. Who are you staying away from? Well, actually, I'm going to go down to my value play first. Okay. Since I said somebody's got to catch the damn ball. I'm going to say that my value play is Austin Safarian Jenkins, as long as he's active, coming back from the suspension. You know they want to get him more involved, so uh, he's always had that pedigree that he could be talented. He could do some stuff out there. But again, uh, the question marks with him have always been the health and the chucklehead factor. 
if he can keep those two things in control, uh, who knows? He could, he could actually be very productive in that offense. I'll tell you what. I'm going to go out on all in. The Jets haven't had a tight end for about as long as Detroit hasn't had a running back. Um, he finishes as a top 15 tight end this year. Now that is a bold prediction. There you go. I'm sticking with it. He's your value play. You can't go wrong. Three, three <laughs> grand and 4,500 basically, right? That is true. Uh, my value play this week is Jack Doyle. Well, last week I recommended Ben Watson. Uh, the week before that I recommended Jesse James. You'll notice the trend. You're the All three of these players are facing Cleveland's defense. Cleveland's defense, they haven't figured out how to cover a tight end in the last three years. Uh, they were worst against tight ends last year. They were second worst against tight ends the year before that. They're already worst this year versus tight ends. It's not going to get any better. Jack Doyle, uh, the only safe play in that Indianapolis offense right now with Jacoby Brissett at the helm. Uh, yes, Brissett did look slightly better than Scott Tolzien, but that's like saying eating a festering pile of dog poop would be better than eating a festering <laughs> pile of cat poop. <laughs> and at the end of the day, it's still shit and you're eating it. Exactly. Okay. Um, who are you paying up for at tight end? Uh, I'm going to pay up for Zach Ertz. Uh, Giants uh, gave up seven catches, 59 yards, and a touchdown to tight ends in the first week. They just gave up a tight end touchdown to Eric Ebron in this game. Last year, they were one of the worst. They weren't the worst. That was Cleveland. They were one of the worst against tight ends in terms of touchdowns allowed. Ertz is top 90 yards in both games so far, uh, albeit his stats this past week were slightly uh, boosted by a fluke play. <laughs> I, I'm not going to take that away from his stats. He's still top 90 yards, so I'm going to give him the play at $5,000 on DraftKings, 6500 on FanDuel. And for what it's worth, Eric Ebron right now with 4.45 left in the second quarter is 5 for 42 with that touchdown. So, yeah. Um, Ertz, we're, we're ditto again. He's my payup this week also. And, of course, we don't talk about this, so we've got two that we agreed on, I believe. Um, yeah, there's – I, ha I moved Ertz like into my top five and thought that he had top three upside this week, this year. And I think we're seeing that already with the chemistry that he and Wentz have. Well, at least as long as uh, Mr. Torrey Smith can't seem to catch the ball. Oh, yes. Don't remind me. Um, anyway, I have a feeling we might have another ditto here on who you're going to avoid. Okay. Well, I'm going to avoid Jimmy Graham at Tennessee. Nope. We're different. Awesome. Well, his price tag is still fairly high. Uh, the O-line in Seattle is just crap. And Tennessee has allowed only five catches and 56 yards to opposing tight ends through two weeks. They were one of the best teams against tight ends last year as well. So I don't see Graham being much of a factor on that offense, at least as long as he's being forced to stay in there and help block. So the guy that I'm going to say I have to avoid, it's all based on salary and an injury, and the unknown of that injury is Rob Gronkowski. Mm -hmm. He is at we, home. We, we got his good performance last week. Out of yeah, and, and he is at home. Houston's defense is formidable, I think. I think that we'll see them be up and down, and a lot of that will have to do with their offense and what they can you know, do to help them stay a little fresher. Um, and if, even if he plays, you don't know just how healthy he is and is he going to be some sort of a decoy, et cetera. So for that price, I'm just willing to say I'm out and go with some better, lower-priced guys. Well, you might be able to talk to this a little bit better, but I think, though, that isn't there some question mark as to both of the top two cornerbacks for Houston possibly missing this game? 
Yeah, but if you're not going to cover Gronk with one of those cornerbacks. They're, they're, uh, some teams might choose to. Yeah, well, that's true. <laughs> they're gonna, their safety play is pretty solid and, and highly underrated, I think. So, again, they can get pressure on the quarterback too. And that's where you could possibly keep Brady from you know, being able to key in on Gronk. Just, but it comes down to you don't, they haven't mentioned anything. You know, they don't give you anything. You're not going to know. He's probably going to be a game-time decision. It's a 1 o'clock game, which is nice because at least then you can roll with a bunch of other options later in the day. Um, but I would just stay away from him. Yeah, there's no reason to pay up for him this week. Right. When there's a lot of good value plays uh, in, in the 3000 to $4,000 range. My sentiments, exactly. Even Butterfinger Bennett, Martellus Bennett's <laughs> not a bad play at $4,000. Like you said, someone's got to catch the ball, right? Yep, exactly. All right. Anything you want to add in your parting wisdom for, the, for this week? No. Uh, I would like to place a bounty on Deontay Thompson, though. No, they can't do that. And, you know, now if something happens to him, there's, you know, there's proof of it. Well, bl- blame Sean Payton. He was the one that suggested it. Sean Payton? Yes. Okay. Did you hear that? Sean? Or Jonathan Vilma. Jonathan. Oh, there you go. What about Greg? Greg Williams, yeah. Greg Williams. <laughs> now we got him. We're, we're good now. We've got enough. Yeah, it, wasn't, it wasn't my idea. It was theirs. You're just repeating what you heard? Yes. I didn't deflate the footballs. Okay. I did not have sex with that woman, Miss Lewinsky. Okay. At this point, <laughs> that's where I'm going to say, make sure you check us out on iTunes. Subscribe, rate us, review us, say something nice about Harley and his jokes. Um, or whatever. But until next week, make sure you're following Harley on Twitter at Nuclear Harley. That's N-E-W-C-L-E-A-R, Harley, H-A-R-L-E-Y. And you can follow me at Steve Gallo NFL. And as always, until next week, get blessed responsibly. Cheers. Cheers.